So we continue in the series of the cross today, <clears throat> and uh, we're going to begin in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, of course, but, uh, but we're going to be hopping around a couple other portions of Scripture too, but that's where I, at least we'll start. The word power is an interesting, interesting word. It's defined in many ways. Uh, power as defined uh, during these last few days of March Madness has, uh, has been kind of elusive, uh, this NCAA basketball tournament that's been going on. And uh, uh, we can think we have a powerful bracket that we filled out anticipating who's going to be the champion, but then realize the first day we, <laughs> we were wrong. But uh, the most powerful isn't always the higher-ranked team in, the, in these tournaments, as, as you probably realize, especially this last uh, couple days. Ten of the 32 higher-seeded teams lost in the first round. And you think if you're the higher-seeded team, you have more of a chance to win, but apparently not. Uh, those of you who've been following it uh, noticed that uh, Ohio State got beat by Oral Roberts, uh, number 15 team. The number 14 team, Abilene Christian, defeated Texas, which is the number three team. And North Texas, the number 13 team, defeated Purdue, which is the number four team. And, of course, those Beaver fans always already know that uh, Oregon State, the number 12 team, defeated Tennessee, number five team, to move on to the next round. So uh, some of those Beaver fans out there are enjoying that. But power as defined through nature is pretty incredible. Consider this. Almost 41 years ago, the most visible indication of the power of nature that the modern world has ever seen happened on Mount St. Helens. Some of you were witnesses of that. At 8.32 a.m. on May 18, 1980, the explosion ripped 1,300 feet off the mountain. That's like saying goodbye to Mount Scott. All gone. And maybe 300 feet more. <laughs> and uh, the, 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 it was a force of of 10 million tons of TNT, or roughly equal to 500 Hiroshimas. 500. 60 people were killed, most by a blast of 300-degree heat, traveling at 200 miles per hour. Some were killed as far as 16 miles away. And the blast also leveled 150-foot 100, Douglas firs as far as 17 miles away. A total of uh, 3.2 billion board feet of lumber were destroyed. It's enough to build 200,000 three-bedroom homes. <laughs> That's incredible, the power involved there. And, of course, in the music world, we've had uh, songs that have been created about power of this, power of that. Uh, Huey Lewis in the News comes to mind, those of you in the 80s, the power of love. And uh, in the book world... Norman Vincent Peale wrote The Power of Positive Thinking. I don't know if anybody read that book at all, but uh, a lot of different definitions and ideas of, of power. But in God's economy, we have the power of the cross, which I believe eclipses them all, the power of the cross. Now, maybe for some of you, you've struggled to understand how something so gruesome like the cross could hold so much value for your life. But as your relationship with God grows, you, you get a better understanding of the preciousness of the cross. The cross has been a major symbol of Christianity. So we assume that if someone is wearing a cross as jewelry, 
or has a tattoo of the cross, that the person is a Christian or a follower of Christ in some way. But while many wear the cross as a symbol of identity, the power that's in the finished work of the cross isn't known and not evident in the lives of some who display the cross publicly. And even though it's usually recognized as more of a symbol, I trust that today we will discover that there is victory and transformation through the power of the cross as we find forgiveness, freedom, family, and rest in that wonderful cross. Now, the Apostle Paul tells the church in Corinth that the cross seems pretty absurd, pretty crazy, pretty foolish to those who are wise in their own eyes, but for those who understand the cross, it is the very power of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 17 through 18. It says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So let's first of all look, at, look to see how the cross brings victory. How the cross bring, brings victory. In uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, it says, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he, Jesus, made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So by Christ's resurrection, he stripped the power away from a world empire that seemed to temporarily defeat him. He was on the cross. They thought they took care of him. But look again, they were wrong. So what do we know about this cross that brings us victory? First of all, the cross, of course, is the power of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, and I already read that, to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. The cross also, too, was the instrument where Jesus took our sin. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, the first part of that verse says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Paul's argument here emphasized that there is hope for all who have broken the law, and as a result are under this this curse. And that hope is not in man, but in Christ, who redeemed us from the curse of the law. Christ redeemed us by becoming a curse for us. Christ took the penalty of all guilty lawbreakers, all sinners, upon himself. And so the curse of the law was transferred from us sinners... To Christ, the sinless one. And he delivered us from that curse. He took our, our sin upon himself. And in Old Testament times, criminals were executed, normally by stoning. And then they were displayed on a stake or a post to show God's divine rejection. When Christ was crucified, it was evidence he had come under the curse of God. Also, the cross brought redemption and forgiveness for all who would receive his gift. That's where victory comes as well, too. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Jesus' death points to two wonderful things here, two wonderful truths. Redemption and forgiveness. Redemption was that price paid to gain freedom for a slave. 
And through Jesus' death, he paid the price to release, release us from slavery to sin. And forgiveness was granted in Old Testament times on the basis of the shedding of animals' blood, all the sacrifices that had to go on in the temple. But now we are forgiven on the basis of the shedding of Jesus' blood. He died as the perfect and final sacrifice. We also see the victory coming from the cross because the cross brought cleansing from sin. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. And so how does Jesus' blood cleanse us from every sin? In, in the Old Testament times, believers symbolically transferred their sins to an animal, when they, which they then sacrificed. The animal died in their place to pay for their sin and to allow them to continue living in God's favor. God graciously forgave them because of their faith in him and because they obeyed his commandments concerning the sacrifice. Now, those sacrifices anticipated the day when Christ would completely remove sin. Real cleansing from sin came with Jesus. As John chapter 1, verse 29 says, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Sin brings, brings death, which is a fact as certain as the law of gravity. And Jesus died for the sins of the world. When we commit our life to Christ and identify ourselves with him, his death becomes ours. He has paid the penalty for our sins, and his blood has purified us. Just as Christ rose from the grave, we rise to a new life, of fellowship with him. And also too, we see cross we see the victory in the cross because the cross canceled our record of sin. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 14 it says having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. And that written code that was canceled contained the legal demands of the Old Testament law the different things that we were required to do in order to, to be righteous. And that law opposed us by its demands for the payment for our sin. So the moral truths and principles in the, in the Old Testament still teach and guide us, even today. We, we don't throw it all out. But no one can be saved by just keeping the law. This written code, the law, was like a, a handwritten certificate of debt since people cannot keep the law, it's like that bill of indebtedness. And so people who are unable to pay that debt are criminals. You can't pay your, your debts, you get thrown in the jail, right? But Jesus took away this criminal charge, this certificate of indebtedness, by his death. It's as if we, he were nailing it to the cross with him, showing he paid the debt. He wiped the slate clean. And we can enjoy our new life in Christ because we have joined him in his death and in his resurrection. Our evil desires, our bondage to sin, our love of sin died with him. And now joining him in his resurrection, we can have fellowship with God and freedom from sin. And our debt for sin has been paid in full. Our sins are swept away and forgotten by God. And we can be clean and new. There's also victory of the cross because the cross brought reconciliation and peace. 
In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Christ has destroyed the barriers people build between themselves. Because these walls have been removed, we can have real unity with people who are not like us. That right there is true reconciliation. What's going on today with Black Lives Matter and with now the Asians saying there's hate crimes, there are those things going on. Yes, I identify that. I, I, I acknowledge that. But for us to single out one certain kind of people and saying their lives matter, what does that say about the other lives? And now we're, we're hearing it. What about the Asian lives now? And so the cross says these barriers are, are, are blown away. And all lives matter. We should be able to care for everybody, no matter the color of their skin, no matter the nationality they have, even no matter the gender they claim. We should be able to care for them and love them as Christ would love them. Not to focus on a certain kind, but to focus on the fact that all lives matter and everyone needs God's love. And so the cross takes care of that. The cross brings reconciliation. The cross brings peace. And that is that true reconciliation that we need to let others know about. And there are many barriers that can divide us from other Christians as well. Age can divide us. Appearance, how people look. Intelligence. Political persuasion. Uh, economic status theological perspective, all these things can come together that can divide us as a body of Christ. But Christ has knocked down the barriers and has unified all believers in one family. His cross should be the focus of our unity. The Holy Spirit helps us look beyond the barriers to the unity we are called to enjoy. So the power of the cross brings victory. But not only does this cross bring victory, but the power of the cross brings transformation as well. Listen to what Paul says to the church in Ephesus. In chapter, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through 20. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. So we are transformed because... The power of the cross gives us the opportunity to know God in, in, in an even greater way. In verse 17, keep asking the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Wisdom gives insight into the true nature of things. And revelation is the unveiling of the object discussed in this very verse, which is God himself. And the purpose in having this wisdom and revelation is that we may know him, know God better. This knowing doesn't refer to this abstract knowledge or, yeah, there is a God, and acknowledging that type of thing, or the objective facts about him. 
but knowing him personally and intimately. It includes an intimate awareness of God's character and God's will. So as we know God better, we are transformed. Also, too, the power of the cross gives us the ability to know hope in our life. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, read that already. The first part of that verse, pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Our present hope has its source in the past when we were called to salvation. Hope in Scripture is the absolute certainty of a believer's victory in God. We have that hope. We have that hope in Him. And we are transformed when we know the hope in our life. And then also too in verse 18 of Ephesians chapter 1, the power of the cross gives us the privilege of becoming His glorious inheritance. Did you know that you are His glorious inheritance? At the time of the resurrection of believers... God will inherit those he has purchased at a great price, according to the riches of his grace. And in verse 14 of Ephesians chapter 1, it says, Paul wrote that the Christian's inheritance is their final redemption from the presence of sin. But here in verse 18, he wrote about God's inheritance. It's the saints themselves. That's God's inheritance. Because of the glorious grace of the glorious Father, he will receive his glorious inheritance you guys this is us god's glorious inheritance and so knowing that transforms us in our lives as well too and then the power of the cross gives us the opportunity to experience god's incomparable great power Uh, ephesians chapter 1 verse 19 and his incomparably great power for us who believe that power is like the working of his mighty strength Again, that word power means a spiritually uh, dynamic and living force. This power of God is directed toward us. And Paul then used three additional words, as you see here in verse 19, three additional words uh, to, to describe God's power. It's according to the working, and in the Greek, uh, the, the Greek word means energetic power. Energetic power. So the working of the might, and the Greek word there is, explains it as the power that overcomes resistance, which, you know, is, is, as in Christ's miracles, as Christ performed those miracles, he, he overcame a lot of resistance there, the huge power doing those. And, and then the Greek word that is all, this Greek word is only used of God, not of any people, but just of God. And uh, so you have the, the working, the energetic power, or the mighty, the power that overcomes resistance of God's inherent strength, which he provides. This awesome collection of words for power emphasizes the incredible, incredible magnitude of God's great power available to us. All of that is available to us. Which brings us to the Next point about the power of the cross bringing transformation. The power of the cross is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And that power of the cross is available to us. The very power that raised him from the dead is available for our daily lives. Christ has already won the victory over sin. He's won the victory over death. He's won the victory over the world and Satan. God's people don't fight for victory. They fight 
from victory. We are already living in victory. We fight from that and into more. It's already been won. But we're transformed when we know the power we can experience that comes from God. And also, too, the power of the cross transforms us into who we were created to be. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, it says, And God raised us up when Christ, uh, with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So not only has God made those who had been unbelievers alive and, and, and raised with Christ, but he has also seated them with Christ in the heavenly realms. In Christ Jesus. Believers are positioned spiritually in heaven where Christ is. We are no longer just the, these earthlings walking around earth aimlessly. We, we, we have a citizenship in heaven and in waiting for us. This divine power that can make a, an unbeliever have life and be raised and exalted with Christ is the same power that operates in us today. Think about it. You've got that power of Christ in you. And the power of the cross also too empowers us to do the things God prepared for us to do. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And followers of Jesus are God's workmanship because they have been created. A work God, only God can do been created in Christ Jesus. And the purpose of this creation is that we will do good works. And God's workmanship isn't accomplished by good works, but it's, it's, it's to result in good works. And that phrase for us to do in that, that, that verse, Ephesians 2, uh, verse 10, that phrase for us to do is literally means in order that we might walk in them. And the purpose of these prepared and advanced works is not to work in them, but to walk in them. So in other words, God has prepared a path of good, good works for us, which he will perform in and through us as we walk by faith. This doesn't mean doing a work for God. Instead, it's God's performing his work in us and through us. So the power of the cross brings victory, it brings transformation. And so how do we lay hold of this victory and transformation? I believe by finding these four powerful things in this wonderful cross. We can find forgiveness in this cross. While Jesus was on the cross, there were, there were mockers, there were scorners laying into him. And Luke records this statement Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. We often remember the cross, usually around this time of year, the Easter season. And we fail to see how important it is that we remember the cross daily. Every day, we need to, be, we need to remind ourselves that we, too, were mockers. We, too, were scorners of the work of Jesus. We, too, were in darkness and walking around blind thinking we knew what was best for us. We weren't much different from the mockers at the cross, the rebellious lifestyles we lived before we met Jesus. The power of the cross to offer forgiveness when we are so undeserving of it should just cut us straight to the heart. 
the cross reminds us that just as we have been so freely forgiven, we can, grow, we, we can now, with the strength of Jesus, offer this very same forgiveness to others. We cannot afford to go a day without visiting this place called the cross because it is here his forgiveness is given freely and to all who come. So we find forgiveness at the cross. We also find freedom at the cross. I'm reminded of my moments of ministry in the past where I went to visit those who were in prison. Not a great setting and very, very strange. Very infrequently as well that I would do that, but very memorable in going to those places and visiting the people. The people there have no privacy, no freedom to do what they want to do. They're told when they're doing it and what they do and how they do it. Their life behind bars is a reminder of the poor choices they made. And the thing is, some of God's people don't realize that they live their lives behind bars that are not so much physical, but take on the form of spiritual and and emotional and mental bars. Maybe some of us have done things in our past we regret. Maybe some of us have been abused and carry the scars that keep us from loving or or trusting anyone. We can't forgive ourselves. We can't forgive others. (laughs) And at the cross, remember there are two thieves that were deserving of death because of their choices and crimes. Both were in the presence of Jesus, and they saw and heard everything from his perspective. And having the chance for freedom, even in the moments of death, one stays in rebellion while the other seizes the opportunity of freedom and to make things right with God before he dies. Jesus, in all his love and in all his mercy, offers this guy grace and freedom from the guilt that plagued him up to this point. And through the power of the cross, you have a choice to break the bars of unforgiveness, uh, hatred, bitterness, the bars of a, a wretched past or guilt or shame, torment. As Jesus offers you the same freedom, he offered the thief on the cross. We can find freedom at the cross. We can also find family We can find family at the cross. The family is very important to God and has been since the creation of the earth. Family is the the unit that God uses to show us how much he loves us. So the enemy, enemy, Satan's going to go all out after the family more than anything else throughout the generations. The enemy knows that a strong family unit will also breed strong communities. So he works overtime to break that bond. And one strategy of Satan is to, is to cause conflict and separation because, of the, because this gives way to the, the spirit of rejection. And when we feel rejected, we find ourselves in rebellion to those in authority and leadership because of the lack of, of love from the parent that walked away. But at the cross, we see that Jesus, in all of his pain and all of his suffering, was concerned for the ones He loved especially his mother. He was broken to leave her alone. Didn't want to do that. So at that moment, he provided a new son for her and the apostle John, as you read that portion of scripture about that. But maybe you have experienced the lack of love from a father or mother. Maybe your brothers and sisters have walked away from you. 
But you need to know that through the power of the cross, you become part of a family that goes far beyond blood relatives as you are grafted into a far superior family, family of God. So we can find family at the cross. We can also, too, finally find rest at the cross because the work is finished. That phrase, the work is finished, isn't, isn't that music to your ears? The work is finished. It is only through the power of the cross we can grasp the concept of Jesus completing the work for us. Maybe you've struggled with the feeling of not being good enough to please God. Maybe it's, maybe it's thoughts that pop into your mind that triggers a, a guilty feeling. Or it could be actions that are contrary to God's word. Either way, you end up tired, you end up frustrated and angry that you are not good enough. The truth is we aren't good enough within ourselves. And our self-effort will always prove to be in vain. But before the cross, man always had to have a substitute for his sins. A lamb that was pure, unblemished, had to be presented and sacrificed for the shedding of the blood to atone for sins. And this action had to be done year after year after year. And because the blood of, the, of, of bulls and goats could not complete the work once and for all. But Jesus became the perfect lamb. And he took the place of all mankind because he was the only one that could keep all of, of God's laws perfectly. And because of what Jesus did, we can come before God in right standing, knowing full well we couldn't keep the law ourselves. But our faith and our hope and our future rests in the one who is able to do it. Jesus, he has done it. He has finished the work. The work is finished. So we can find rest at the cross. So forgiveness, freedom, family, and rest are some powerful things found at the wonderful cross. And once you've discovered these things, you'll experience the victory and transformation that comes from the power of the cross. It's available for us today, for us to experience as well. And if there's anything that's keeping you from doing that, I trust today you can come to the Lord and bring that to him and, and pray and say, Lord, help me through this time. Help me with this situation. Help me with this unbelief. Help me figure it out. <laughs> and God can help you all along the way as you come to him and come to the cross. I'm going to have Annie and Ali come back up. You're going to lead us in one last song, and it speaks about that wonderful cross. And I hope that this can be your testimony as well, too. As we sing this song, let God's Spirit just kind of minister to you and allow Him to speak truth into your heart.